Welcome to the Weekly Spotlight. You are tuned into episode 66. Today, we're going to talk about some NFL news. We have some interesting stuff, some unfortunate stuff, um, including Joe Burrow. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, we have our winners and losers, as per usual, and then we'll take a look at some games of the week for the upcoming week as well. I have my co-host with me here, Casey Sully and Matthew Durgan. How, how are you guys doing? I've had better weeks as a Packers fan, <laughs> uh, yeah. but uh-huh. uh, you know we scored well against uh, a very well thought of defense, so that's you know some positive. But uh, you know we just gotta hold on to the ball at the end of the game, and uh, things may be different. I thought for sure at the end of that game when Rodgers made that long throw to Marquez yep. that uh, like we're gonna score a touchdown here and win this, but uh, it was not to be, and. Um, so I'm ready for this next week. Hopefully we can uh, beat the, the Bears and knock them sort of out of playoff contention. Well, my weekend was interesting because the Niners were on by. Northern football was on by. So I can just sit back this weekend and enjoy all the great football we had. And it was a very entertaining weekend, to say the least, in college and in NFL football. So it was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was good for you. Um <laughs> Eagles also lost, so I'm reeling from that in, in what is a heated, heated battle for the NFC East. Um, who can lose less? That will determine who wins that division. So fun times all around. Let's talk about some NFL news here. We have a few items that happened this week, um, especially with some NFL uh, rookie quarterbacks. Let's start with the, let's get the worst out of the way. Joe Burrow tore ACL, MCL, and meniscus. Not what you want to see. How does this impact Cincinnati going forward? How does this how does this impact Joe Burrow going forward? Um, and Casey, maybe mechanically as a quarterback, how does this impact his play and his footwork? Well, you could also ask Carson Wentz that question as well, because maybe that's cropping up right now. Um, okay, shots but... fired. <laughs> calm, calm down. That's not the reason why. There's a lot of other issues. But anyways, go there ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't remember what knee it is. Um, but front it depends knee. if you're it's it's his front knee, his left knee. Left knee, yeah. Okay, so that's a little bit better because you can plant and drive off of your back dominant foot uh, a little bit easier. Um, just you just got to get full rotational uh, mobility in that front leg so that you can open up your hips and and plant and point your toe, and that that's kind of the stuff that Carson Wentz is having trouble with right now. Um, but obviously not. We knew that offensive line was was terrible in Cincinnati, and he was taking hits like on a record pace, higher than any other rookie in the history of the NFL. And you know, you hoped it didn't end up in a knee injury or a severe injury like this. But you always, I, I felt like it was sooner or later he was going to get some kind of injury that would that force him to miss games. But um, you know, good showing from everybody on the field. I thought like coming over and and tapping him on the helmet even. You know, Ohio State guys like Terry McLaurin and uh, Young coming over and, you know, saying, hey, you're, you're part of a brotherhood and we remember you from Ohio State and we wish you the best because he was maybe not front running for, for rookie of the year, uh, but he was right in the mix of that with Justin Herbert. And, uh, you know, obviously his season ended a little early, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody dislikes Joe Burrow. Uh He's kind of the you know the American dream. Came from nowhere to the top. Uh, it's having a great year, but this obviously uh, is a huge setback. I think long term it will hurt some of his mobility, but he's not a guy like a Kyler Murray or a, even like a Lamar Jackson who a huge part of his game is his running ability is more of a added bonus. So as long as he can come back, I think long term he'll be fine. Like you said, the Bengals need offensive line help. I mean, all five positions on that offensive line are 
average to below average players. Uh, they won't win, they won't win another game this year, so they'll have a top three pick more likely, and they can address the left tackle spot first and kind of build from there. Uh, but this should reaffirm the the point that they have to protect Joe Burrow because everywhere else in this roster is getting better offensively. Uh, good receivers, good running backs. Defensively, they drafted pretty well this past year. They have some good free agent signings as well. Uh, they're still a long ways away, but that offensive line is the biggest hole in that team. Yeah, and I think you mentioned that you hit the nail on the head. That's the silver lining is that you're you're basically guaranteed a top pick now, and you need to use that smart um, in a smart way and, and protect your franchise quarterback because, like Casey mentioned, this dude is getting hit like – He's in the top in terms of sacks. I think Carson Wentz might be number one, but he's up there. Joe Burrow's up there, and he's still having a great year. By all means, he was offensive rookie of the year front runner. Um, so imagine what he can do with some protection as well, and how things will open up for for Mixon and the whole offense. So uh, you know, it's unfortunate. It sucks because he was playing so well. But I think you saw what you needed to see as a Bengals fan to know that you got your guy of the future, and uh, you're you know you're set like at that position, which is the, the most important position. So. Get better, get healthy, come back stronger next year, and uh, continue to prove why you're one of the you're worthy of that top pick. But another rookie, a little bit more drama around this guy. Let's talk about Tua a little bit. Benched in this past game for Fitz Magic. Um, what do we, what do we think about this? How does this impact the Dolphins, um, who were on a run, who were playing pretty well? What what do we uh, what's the uh, what's the lowdown here? Um, I mean, it's definitely an unconventional way to approach the quarterback position. I'll I'll give Brian Flores that, mm-hmm. um, and maybe it's a little bit of that defensive mentality of like, hey man, and the the Patriots mentality too. Like quarterbacks are susceptible to uh, criticism and being benched just like any other player on that team. And if Tua's not getting it done, and you feel like Fitzmagic is the the way to go, uh, especially at the end of the game. You know, I I can't fault him that much for it, but it does bring questions with it when you make a decision like that. Um, Tua wasn't playing fantastic. I think he had like 80 yards or something on the day going into the fourth quarter when they they put in Fitzpatrick. Um, And Fitzpatrick almost got it done. Like he got him a field goal and then was marching down the field and threw an interception in the end zone that would have uh, tied it. Um, And that's a little bit of what Fitz fits magic gives you fits fits magic and fits tragic he gives you glimpses um but if if two is your guy i feel like you sort of got to ride with him and and realize that he's gonna take some lumps and finish the game with him um so i, I don't know i'm a little bit conflicted on the decision but it is uh definitely unique in this day and age sure i went back and watched this game yesterday and first off the play calling of the dolphins did not help to at all the Bears were just blitzing. Not the Bears. The Broncos were blitzing almost every single passing down, bringing six guys, and they were the Dolphins were focused so much on just running like these intricate routes deep that made no sense at all. Like especially with Tua as your rookie, just get the ball out of his hands quickly. Three strap drops, out, out, out. Throw the ball to Parker. Throw the ball to Gasecki. Then uh, they have some speed guys that they can do some creative stuff with, but they didn't do that. And second of all, this season, like I've said before for the Dolphins isn't about them making a run, making the playoffs. It's about finding how good Tua is and addressing the needs besides him, or besides quarterback position. And now you haven't seen Tua in a two-minute drill. I understand you want to win, and that's the point of the game, but you have to find out if Tua is the guy. And if you don't trust him in a two-minute drill, what do you trust him for? I don't know. So that, that was an interesting move, in my opinion. Um, 
it would have been genius if it worked out, but it didn't work out. So now it looks extra bad. Uh, we'll see how Tua bounces back. He's a tough guy, so I'm not too worried about it. But uh, an interesting and, I think, wrong move on Brian Flores, who's done a great job this year. Yeah. I So, okay. I absolutely hate this, and I think it, it's more for the long-term implications, right? Being in games like this, making mistakes, Tua playing the way he did and, and um, having that on film to review is a huge learning experience, I think, for somebody who you already know is the guy. You don't take a quarterback this high unless you know that that's your guy. Um, so you got to give them these opportunities to develop, to play in situations like this, and, and to face adversity in order to, to grow and improve as a quarterback. I don't know why it, it just it was shocking and it was kind of surprising. I don't I don't I don't like the move. You know I mean, Tua was your guy, and up till now, maybe he wasn't playing phenomenally. Maybe he wasn't doing what Justin Herbert or, or Joe Burrow are doing on the stat sheet. But they were winning games, and and whether that's the defense, you can make all sorts of arguments about why they're winning games. But at the same time. It's it's all part of the process, and I don't like this move unless there was some sort of health reason for for it to happen. I wasn't a fan personally, so um, yeah, I, I don't know. Flores, I, I'm not sure how I feel about about that, but <laughs> it is what it is. You know, it happened and, and they lost, but um, I think Tua will continue to start moving forward. So that will be exciting to watch his progression. Let's talk about another team that's the opposite of exciting to watch: uh, the Jets, eliminated from playoff contention officially. I don't really know that there's real, there's much to touch on here. I mean, we kind of already <laughs> figured that they'd be eliminated, but I think they're the first team to statistically be eliminated, um, which nobody is surprised with. Nope. But, uh, you know, props to them for leading the, the race for Trevor Lawrence, and they're hurtling towards it, and it doesn't seem like anybody's going to get in their way at this point with the way they're playing. Um, although Gase has said that Darnold may play again this year which might give them a chance to sneak out a win somewhere uh i don't really know where looking at their schedule i couldn't uh, really pencil in even in like a, a light crayon or or something that's very erasable um didn't seem like there was going to be much opportunity for them but uh, you know we'll see we will i don't think they win a game this year but i'm just saying three of their last four losses have been by eight points or less which is like amazing for the jets so I don't think they win. I agree with you. I don't think they win a game. But I'm not not saying it's a chance. Oh, 100%. They do. They set a very low bar to start the season. Yes. And <laughs> they've cleared that bar, but they're still not winning, right? But they look no. like an actual NFL team in the past few weeks and not just maybe a high school team out there playing NFL teams. So, they, they I mean, they've props to them. Like, they've actually played well the past two they're games. They're trying um yeah they're showing the effort you want to see but at the same time i think the whole organization is ready for that number one pick so oh, yeah. let's see what happens on on uh, some lighter side here i think we have a really exciting thing with alex smith getting his first w after returning from probably the most gruesome injury I've, I've ever seen um in the nfl so that is awesome to see what do you guys think about this yeah, unfortunately, Joe Burrow had to go down to sort of make that win possible. Um, but, you know, props for him, testament to his willpower and his drive. And he's played pretty solid the last couple of games and, and gives Washington a little bit more of a chance on offense. And, you know, that's bad news for the Philadelphia Eagles and the rest of the NFC East. I don't think he's going to be a huge threat. But I did say, I would like to point out, before the season started, we, we made our comeback player of the of the year award projections. 
I said it was Alex Smith, even if he doesn't start. Well, he's starting now, and he has an opportunity to go win the NFC East. And buckle up, because I'm going to throw that right in your face if it ends up being true and he wins the Comeback Player of the Year award. Well, when you have two touchdowns and four interceptions, you don't deserve to uh, win Comeback Player of the Year. Remember this NFL, not the uh, Little League. So, uh, good story. Uh, <laughs> sucks for Joe Burrow, obviously, when you're going against Ryan Finley. Uh, anybody, I think, could beat him. But uh, good for them. Yeah, I mean, they're still so bad NFC East is. They're a win on Thursday against the Cowboys away from having a legit chance to win this division. So uh, good for Alex Smith. Love the guy. But uh, he is not the comeback player of the year. Well, who is? Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Big Ben. Uh, Big ben. Uh, maybe He's not JJ playing Watt. terrific either. He's playing good. He's playing very average. Well, he didn't come back I mean, from some He's also been playing an undefeated, undefeated team. Yeah. He has 24 about, touchdowns, about, uh, five picks. What about Rob Gronkowski? Uh, <clears throat> nah, I feel like he's been pretty quiet too. Numbers. It's, it's big. AJ, AJ Green. Now I'm just he throwing was, names out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't Can, even think Cam, he was injured. Oh, AJ Cam, Green. AJ Green. No, AJ I was, Green I was, was thinking AJ Brown. I was injured. thinking AJ Brown. I'm sorry. The, can, the colors can, got mixed up. Brown, green. I don't know. Yeah, different colors. You're colorblind? I thought I was colorblind. I um, Cam Newton. I mean, he's not played phenomenally, but. Uh, probably not. He looked he looked like it early on. We'll see how he yeah. Ends first the first two weeks he had it, and then yeah. I think if the Washington football team wins the division, he gets it. No, maybe God, Trent, no. Trent, uh, Trent Williams. Trent, yeah, he had a I chance. He's been in out of the lineup already. Well, yeah, but so has Alex Smith played like three games. Yeah, I'm saying if they win the division, he's this gonna win it. I'm just letting you, I'm just letting you know. Letting you know CYO letting fifth you know. grade basketball, you know. Oh, you, you would well, he's not gonna 10, end the season trophy. with two touchdowns and four interceptions. Listen, I mean, listen, probably four listen. and like eight. Listen, it's a moot point because they're not gonna win the division, so it's fine. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. We have our last piece of news here. Tom Brady doing things you wouldn't expect from somebody who's been in the league longer than I've been alive, probably. Um, no, that's not true, but for a very long time. <laughs> Doesn't shake Goff's hands in the post game. Is this intentional? Is this some sort of? Is he salty? Is this you know? Did he just miss it? What? What? How do we feel about this? This is a weird one. I mean, he did this. He's done this now with mm-hmm. Foles earlier in the season when he lost to the Bears, and he did it with Jared Goff. Coincidentally, two guys he played in the Super Bowl. He beat Goff, but um, you know, he's done it with. He did it with Aaron Rodgers. He did it with Drew Brees when Drew Brees beat him. Um, I think it's a little bit overblown, but at the same time, like you're the goat and people expect you to go shake someone's hand and to, you know, for some of these guys, it's like a big moment in their lives. And for you to not be a good sport, whether you're upset or frustrated or whatever, to not go show good sportsmanship and go talk to the other quarterback and and shake their hand and run off to the locker room is a little bit, uh, selfish in my eyes and doesn't uh seem very sporting and conducive to i don't know camaraderie between nfl players or quarterbacks um so i'm not a huge fan of it i i don't think it's i don't think it's malicious but i do think it's a little bit uh i don't know what the right word would be for for brady a little bit selfish maybe yeah it sets a bad example mm-hmm. yeah well tom brady being a dick doesn't surprise me because tom brady is a dick it's the way it is. I mean, that's, that's who he is. He doesn't like losing. He's not a he's not a guy who's gonna, you know, cheer his teammates up. He's one get, gets mad at them. He's a competitor. I mean, do I agree with it? No, but that's the way he is. Yeah, I mean, listen. There's there's one 
there's two sides to it, right? There's good sportsmanship, and then there's being competitive, and I think there's room for both. And, um, I, you know, there's no way we'll ever know if this was something that was intentional. Like, he thought in his head, I'm not going to go shake his hand because he beat me, meh, meh, meh. Or if, uh, or if it was just an oversight and he was just in the moment, like just thinking, how could we have won that game? I don't know, but there's no way we'll know for sure. Either way, it's it sets a bad example uh, for all the eyes are on on Tom Brady. Obviously, you know, one of the the greatest to ever play the sport. So it's unfortunate, but it is what it is, and um, you know, people will forget about it next week. So let's <laughs> let's dive into the winners and losers from the past week. Um, interesting week of football we've kind of discussed our personal feelings on our own team's performance but let's uh talk about your winner Durgan. who do you got well it's your afc team cyrus it's the cleveland browns oh, it's not God, because but... it's not because they beat the eagles i'm not saying that mm-hmm. it's because they're seven mm-hmm. and three which is they're seven and three for their first time since 1994 and for a team like the browns who haven't been good in a long long time them beating teams they should be is a huge step for them uh, Kevin Savansky is doing a great job making this game easier for Baker Mayfield. And that offensive running backs are phenomenal. Kareem Hunt, yeah, he's a terrible person. But, man, he run the ball. Him and Nick Chubb, that's a great one-two punch right there. Miles uh, Garrett was out this week and is out next week as well on the COVID list. I think he tested positive. Uh, their defense isn't that great, but they they make do. They, they make plays when they need to make plays. They had the pick six this past weekend. Uh, they looked pretty good a few weeks back against Deshaun Watson and the Texans. And while the AFC playoff picture is stacked, I think there's a good chance we see the playoffs happen in Cleveland for the first time since 2002, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, they're playing they're playing pretty well. And I think, you know, the Browns sort of control their own destiny as far as the playoffs go. Uh, they're a game up on the Ravens now, and they play them later in the season. Um, They have a tiebreaker against the Colts, and they play the Titans later. Um, So they sort of have everything in front of them still. If they win those tiebreakers and and are are moving and doing some stuff, you know, they're going to have a a really good chance to to be in the playoffs because I don't foresee, you know, if they win those tiebreakers, I don't don't think there's a scenario where they don't make it in. So they do control their own destiny and, and... in the truest sense there as far as making the playoffs and you know that running attack is sort of how they get going and chubb is legit and uh you know cool to see them finally have some success yeah cool to see them have some success (laughs) against the eagles so cool um listen i've talked about it before i like the browns obviously i wouldn't have wanted them to win this matchup but i think they're a legit team and it's really i mean it, it goes to show the importance of coaching and i think stefanski's done a phenomenal job this team runs the ball up there with the best in the league um chubb and kareem hunt are probably the best one-two punch i can think of in the league i don't know that there's any better running back tandem um maybe there's better individual players but this tandem is is amazing and and chubb is probably the best running back that i don't think people really maybe he's not like a household name like some of these other guys but he's he's a really good back and the i He's a he's a bowling ball with phenomenal contact balance. Like there was a fifty something yard run he busted off where he shed like multiple tacklers, and I was just like, "Are you kidding me right now?" Like <laughs> watching this happen live, um, it was phenomenal and depressing both at the same time. So, anyways, the the uh, the Browns are legit. I think they're an underrated team in the AFC, um, and I'm happy that they're doing well finally since they've had the talent on paper. 
imagine what would be uh maybe if OBJ wasn't hurt and and uh you know got in a groove. He he had a really good game early on and we, we didn't really see his full potential, but um yeah. So this team's good. This team's good. Casey, what about you? Winner. Yeah, I'm staying in the AFC and I'm going with the Titans. They had a big win against the Ravens in overtime. Uh Derrick Henry clinched that game with a twenty something yard run at the end to to score a touchdown. And now they have that head-to-head tiebreaker against the the Ravens, and that may have big playoff implications going down the line. I I know Durgan keeps saying the Ravens have an e- easy and soft schedule, but they're they're playing the Steelers here coming up on Thanksgiving, um, supposedly if COVID doesn't end up canceling that uh, game. But they still have that game, and and if they lose that and win out, they're still I still don't think they're all that safe from uh you know not getting eliminated from the playoffs like they've got to win these games and uh, they're losing some tiebreakers which may end up being very very important for them as far as getting a wild card because they're not winning the division crown here Um, but aj brown played fantastic he's a monster with the ball in his hands he's sort of like derrick henry but at receiver um very physical guy attacks the ball Mm -hmm. has some drops drop issues but once he gets the ball in his hand dude he's he's tough to bring down Uh, Corey Davis gives them some speed and the defense played well enough that defense has been very up and down but they played well enough to rein in the Ravens and uh you know uh, that was a big win for them and now they got the Colts coming up which is going to be another big game for them and their their playoff hopes yeah it's a great game uh that one against the Ravens this past weekend I thought the Ravens had that game won but great foul drive by Tannehill and the boys uh AJ Brown like you said that touchdown he had is dragging uh, defenders yeah. into the end zone for like seven yards. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Derrick Henry is he's a beast. I mean, there's no way to describe him. He's like, to me, he reminds me of a heavyweight fighter. He's just going to wear you down every round. He's going to punch, 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 and by the end of the game, you're so tired and dead that he's going to go for the knockout blow. So we saw this last year in the postseason. This team can beat anybody. Uh, they have a lot of defensive concerns, in my opinion. Jadavion Clowney on IR. Uh, he had zero sacks this year. What another? What a huge bust he is. I mean, I'm tired of talking about that guy, to be honest. <laughs> Every year, everyone hypes him up, and he's just not that good football player. But they have some good secondary players. Uh, Dory Jackson. You got the guy from the Chargers, whose name I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Desmond King. They got him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a huge pickup. And uh, the team, Tannehill, two weeks ago, looked kind of shaky against the Colts. We'll talk about that more later on as well. Uh, but when it, when it mattered the most, he came up at the end so good for them huge win they are once again they should be in the playoffs uh everything goes well that miami dolphins lost helped them a lot uh we'll see what happens though this game against the colts can be a huge one yeah tighten up baby let's go (laughs) i i I, uh i'm you know i'm rooting for derrick henry this season for personal reasons fantasy implications here but um this game, you know what stood out to me a lot is something that we had talked about, which was the Ravens and their lack of potential wide receiver weapons. Uh, it was basically just Mark Andrews out there receiving the ball. And then you had like Des Bryant, who mm-hmm. I didn't even, I forgot was on the Ravens like until last week. So uh, they need some help. They Lamar needs a little bit of help, I think. I think that's the biggest weakness on that team at the moment. So anyways, Titans... Very deserving of being a winner this week. Um, you know who else is deserving of being a winner this week? People in fantasy who started Taysom Hill in the tight end yep. slot. Since he was <laughs> eligible for the tight end slot, even though he was playing quarterback. Um, but no longer. That's gone. So if you have Taysom Hill, 
and he was your tight end, you need to pick up another tight end. But that's not real the real winner that I wanted to pick, but I'll stick with the Saints. I'm going to say the Saints defense. Um, we remember, you know, Teddy Bridgewater came in uh, last season. They won five games. And, you know, you think back on how that happened. It was because of the defense. Teddy Bridgewater played well. He was a game manager, and it probably got him a good contract with Carolina. But it was that defense. Same thing happened in this last game, and, and we could see the Saints hold on to the NFC South because of that defense. Taysom Hill made some plays, um, and I'm sure Sean Payton was stoked about it, making his decision look smart instead of putting Jameis Winston out there, who who knows what happens. You know, he's either thrown 500 yards or thrown five interceptions, so we don't really know. <laughs> but um, this defense stopped an Atlanta Falcons offense that, by all accounts, in my opinion, is pretty stacked. Are they playing to their potential? No, but it's a good offense with some talent. Matt Ryan's a good quarterback, and this defense pretty much shut him down to, to nine points. So I, I think uh, I think if we see the Saints maintain this NFC South lead that they have currently and win the division, it's because of this defense and then Taysom Hill not making mistakes. Um, so Saints are my winner. Let's move on to the losings. Or no, you guys want to – sorry. I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I, I'll let you chime in a little bit on this. I know Casey has some thoughts on Taysom Hill. Yeah, I'm doing the breakdown on, on him this week on, on sort of his play and – Came away really, really impressed with his accuracy, his decision making. He he made some good anticipation throws and uh, seemed to have some some good trust with Michael Thomas. Um, you know, it's it's sort of a little bit reminiscent of like Brandon Whedon being like a 27 year old draft prospect and you're starting him, and that seems sort of like a weird way to to go. And now Taysom Hill is 30 and potentially going to be the franchise quarterback going forward. But he showed the accuracy of of a starting caliber quarterback in my eyes. Um, so I, I think and that being his, his first start really at, at the quarterback position, uh, I think is very encouraging. And uh, maybe, you know, Sean Payton's comparisons to Steve Young aren't all that far off. Oh, gosh. You know, who knows? Who knows? I know Durgan doesn't <laughs> like those running quarterbacks, but he, he looked pretty solid. He, he made a couple of mistakes, some protection issues, but uh, I was pretty encouraged. And unfortunately, now the Packers are behind the Saints. So... Uh, they're they're locked in at that number one seed. They have the tiebreaker over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, who look to be floundering a little bit, and 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 they, you know, are sort of out of the running. I think for the the NFC title or not the the NFC title, the NFC South division title. Um, so the Saints are sort of in the driver's seat, and if you know we can get good play from Taysom Hill and uh, that solid defensive play like Cyrus was talking about, the Saints are sort of right where they want to be. Well, first off, I don't dislike running quarterbacks. I just don't like Lamar Jackson, and I really don't like Taysom Hill. I can't live in a world where Taysom Hill is a legit quarterback. That's not the world I want to live in. Uh, but good for the Saints, though. I mean, like he said, defense showed up. Their defense seems to play well when Drew Brees doesn't play. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're more focused. Maybe they're more like, okay, we have to carry this team to victory now. But uh, last year we saw the Bridgewater, and we saw it again on Sunday, so... Good for them. They have them players on defense. They've kind of got to put it all together. Durgan, I think legit quarterback is now more f- fluid of a term than it ever has been in the history of the NFL. That, so that is true. I I don't know. You might have to live in a world where Taysom Hill is a legit quarterback. I will throw up. I will throw up. <laughs> um, do you guys want to round robin this? I can start with my loser since Casey Let's mentioned it, it yep. a little bit and then oh, okay. uh, rotate back around. But... Uh, I got to go with your Packers and more specifically Marquez Valdez Scantling because the look in his eyes made me feel all of the sadness possible for him. <laughs> you um, and me both. There cannot be much of a worse feeling than single handedly fumbling the game away 
you know, no pun intended. He, that's exactly what he did. The Packers and the Colts, I mean, that was a really phenomenal game. I honestly thought the Packers would have kind of owned this game, but the Colts played really well. Um, it was it was back and forth the entire time, and the Packers managed to tie it at the end with a long drive, and, and the hero on that drive was actually Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which kind of leads into this irony that he was also the person who gave the the ball away um, on, a, on a screen pass and fumbled it. I guess it was punched out, so I, it wasn't as if he just slipped out of his hands, but ended up losing in overtime 34-31. The biggest reason that the Packers are losers, I mean, obviously Marquez Valdez-Scantling um, is a loser, but you touched on it. It's it's the, uh, the the race for that number one seed and the implications that this loss has on that. So um, still a great team, and I'm not really worried necessarily, but uh, you kind of needed this one for the for seeding implications yeah i mean it's not uh, it was really a game of two halves in, in a certain degree the packers were up 28 to 14 in the first half and looked to be in control and then they came out of the second half and let up like two consecutive 10 play drives to the colts and meanwhile they had two three and outs i think the the colts were out snapping them like 36 plays to six or something at the start of the fourth quarter which is kind of ridiculous and uh you know Ultimately, people are going to remember that fumble by Marquez at the end. But, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers had a center quarterback exchange fumble in the beginning of the game. He threw an interception. Um, yeah. When the Packers were trying to get back into it, we had a fumble on on the kickoff by Darius Shepard. So, uh, obviously, he is not completely to, to blame. And to, to have four turnovers against a team that, you know, a lot of people are talking up as one of the best defenses in the league and, uh, is one of the elite or more elite teams in the in the AFC South. I think is encouraging to you know put up 31 points on those guys and have a chance to win it at the end. Um, is is uh, silver lining, not doom and gloom as much as I may have felt on the day. You know, not looking back in retrospect sure. on it, uh, somewhat encouraged that you know because against the the Buccaneers, the Packers really struggled on offense and couldn't get anything going and and sort of gave up so to speak once once they got down big and in this case you know they let the the Colts get back in the game but they had a counter punch and they went and tied the game at the end of the at the end of the regulation um and you know it's Marquez got a hold on to that ball but that defender also split two blockers on that screen yeah. pass and you know that can't happen you know even if you chip that guy a little bit you know he doesn't get a hand on the ball and we're we're fine and you know the ending is different but um not the most fun to watch. I was so excited. <laughs> it was a roller coaster of emotion, and then it all came crashing down very quickly. So, yeah, and I, you know, I want to clarify: it wasn't just a mistake, right? It was also a great play on, on the Colts. Yeah, part. It, so was. it was. It was. It was. Yeah, it was just a very sad way to. End. Anyways, go ahead, Durgan. Give us your thoughts. <laughs> well, I'll swap to the defensive side of the ball for the Packers, and they can't stop anybody with a good running back, Jonathan Taylor, who has been average the entire year. Looks good against them. So you mentioned this case in the past, and we've texted about it. The fatal flaw of the Packers is their run defense. If they get against a team that's running the ball well, they're screwed. I mean, that they're just going to you know, milk the clock out and win the game. And like the NFC standings right now, the only team that I don't think runs the ball well is the Buccaneers, who beat the Packers by like 20 this year. So I'm not saying the Packers are doomed. I'm just saying they got to figure something out in their run defense. Yeah, I mean, some of it, not to go super deep dive on the Packers, but Mike Pettin's philosophy is that, like, hey, we have a really good offense. Yep. We're going to play not prevent defense, but we're going to play 
loose. We're going to play a lot of nickel. We're okay with them running the ball um, because our offense is going to score points. And ultimately, we're going to force teams to kick field goals. Eventually, they're going to be too far behind or have to keep pace, and they're not going to be able to run it. So we're okay, you know, giving up chunks of yardage. But when they get explosive plays and they're continuing these drives and milking the clock and your offense is simultaneously going three and out two consecutive drives, then it becomes an issue and you've got to adapt and, you know, find a way to shut down the run. Like there's a situation where that's a very effective defense, but it was not that situation in the second half against the Colts on Sunday. Yeah, and the term you'll hear a lot on the broadcast is Ben don't break, and that's kind of what uh, Penton wants to do, but it didn't work. It, didn't, <laughs> it, it broke too many times. It broke. it broke. But I will say, you know, you don't turn the ball over as much as you did, and I think the Packers win this game easily. Yeah. So it, it's there's some, obviously, like you said, four turnovers, very difficult to beat a team that's considered to be pretty solid. So anyways, um, we can move on here, Casey. I know uh, it's, it's hurting you deep to your core that we've talked about. <laughs> the Packers the loss and uh we'll go to you for your loser who do you got okay well the only way I can think of to make myself happy is to relish in the joy of the Vikings losing in our division there you go so uh you know the Vikings playoff hopes looks kind of tough now um they outgained the Cowboys Cousins played really well he was 22 of 30 for 300 plus yards and three touchdowns and ultimately they lost and likely with that loss went their wild card chances they're now two games back with seven weeks to go for a wild card uh, and that window is getting tighter and tighter for them to make a a push they were looking good for a few weeks but uh, ultimately I think the the defense isn't showing up as consistently as they need to and uh, they don't have the offensive firepower or consistency to to cover up for those issues so um Kind of an upward climb for them if they want some kind of hope of getting to the playoffs and upsetting the Saints again in some miracle fashion uh, in a wild card round. Let me just say the Vikings are not a good football team. They have Dalvin Cook, uh, two good receivers, Kirk Cousins once every four or five games, and that's about it. Uh, Their defense, once they traded Yannick Ngakwe, I think they kind of waved the white flag on this season. So while I'm surprised they lost to the Cowboys, who are absolutely terrible this year, I'm not surprised that they had a game they should have won that they lost. There is Mike Zimmer, Greg Coach. Kirk Cousins has set that team back so much with his contract. He's a solid quarterback. I know Casey as your guy, but he's just he's mayonnaise. He's mayonnaise. And mayonnaise doesn't win championships unless you have a super great defense, and they don't. Yeah, and it's Really what it is to me is they came out way too flat to start the season for any hopes of yeah. kind of making it up and, and making a playoff run. They won, I mean, they won three out of the last four, including this last this last game. So it's, I mean, they've been playing okay. Um, so I, I was rooting for them just because, obviously, Cowboys, you know. But um, <laughs> they, they were just, they've just been too bad this season, especially Kirk Cousins early on for for them to really have any playoff hopes, in my opinion. And now it's even less likely with this loss in the game that they probably should have had. So we'll, we'll see. We'll, I mean, they were always going for a wild card anyways, but we'll see. Durgan, what about you? You want to you wanna dive into your loser? Yes, last loser of the week, the Detroit Lions. Zero points against a porous Panthers defense. That's bad. Lost to XFL quarterback, P.J. Walker, who had two turnovers inside the red zone. So while it was 24-0, it could have easily been a lot worse. Uh, third time in four games, they are not competitive at all. And there's a Bleacher Report article that came out about a week and a half ago 
called When the Patriot Way Goes Wrong. And it's a great article. I highly suggest you all check it out. And talks about how Patricia, especially in the beginning of his uh, tenure as head coach with the Lions, really struggled to connect with players. Players were talking bad about him and like publicly in the locker room. And he did his job of trying to get rid of all those players. But by doing that, they got rid of a lot of talent. And when you don't have talent, you can't be competitive in games. Uh, now they're saying he's doing a little better in terms of connecting with the players. But the damage is already done. I think they lose to the Texans this coming Thursday. And if they lose that game, I think he'll be fired. Uh, this team won't be in the playoffs. Might as well get a head st- start on your coaching search now. I would be surprised if he was fired. It just seems like... I think he would be deserving 100%. But it seems like if they were going to do it, they should have done it a while ago. Um, and the fact that they haven't makes me think that they're just going to hold on to him. And, uh, you know, sort of all the, almost the Adam Gase effect. Let him lose a few games, do a bad job, and uh, get another high draft pick and sort of entice a, a new coach to come along and, and take that position. But... Um, you know, Matthew Stafford is almost my boy more than Kirk Cousins is. For some reason, I have a weird affinity for these NFC North quarterbacks that aren't Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. But, um, you know, disappointing showing from the, the Lions, who had been mildly competitive in the last few games, had won a couple. Um, but, uh, you know, wouldn't expect them to get blank, but they did. So, um, as they should be, they are now sort of at the bottom of the NFC North. Yes. Hashtag fire Matt Patricia. I've been on this train <laughs> since day one. If you listen to this podcast, you know how I feel about him. There are three things that I think of that come to mind that he lacks that I think every, um, well, maybe two things. Th- three that I'll say coaches, I think all coaches need in case you can affirm or correct me. Um, knowledge of the game. Fundament, mm-hmm. right? You need that. Emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. I think you need that. And respect from your locker room and your players. I think they need to respect both your knowledge of the game and the ability to convey it, as well as your ability to understand the way that certain players react to being coached. And everything I've heard, Matt Patricia, basically, he may have the knowledge, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but he kind of lacks the other two. And I'm not sure that he's the guy long-term. And I've said this before, you're you're wasting Stafford's good years here, right? If he's your guy, if he's the franchise QB... Uh, you need to give a little more talent around him and some coaching that can make the most out of his abilities. And um, Patricia's not it. I, I'm I'm tired of him, dude. Like I'm done with I'm done with him. Lions deserve better. Anyways, <laughs> let's go on to the games of the week. Here we got some good ones this week. Uh, let's start off. This one I think might be one of the best. There's another one later that might be better, but this one's a really good game. We got the Ravens at the Ste- the Ravens versus the Steelers. Excuse me. So, assuming this game is played on Thursday night, uh, we're going to hope that it is, but uh, who knows at this point. Uh, anyway, I'm going to go with the Ravens. I know, kind of surprising that I'm going with Lamar Jackson, but this is a must-win game for the Ravens. Uh, hungry Dog gets the bone. That's that's my new motto. That's, that's I'm going to trademark it, get some t-shirts printed out. It's going to be great. Um, and the Steelers did nothing to play for, honestly. Yeah, they had the perfect season, but I think they have that top spot uh, not all but wrapped up. But looking that way, uh, maybe the Chiefs can get in there, but they have a tough schedule coming up as well. Um, and Lamar Jackson is kind of, you know, the chest, all the chips are stacked against him. His top two running backs are out. Luckily, he's the best running back on that team. So he has a huge game on the ground, upset against Steelers. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Um, 
especially with the, the issues that the the Ravens have with COVID, two running backs. They they've lost two of their offensive linemen earlier in the year, and, and it appears that even more COVID cases are popping up now. So if they play this game, they're going to be severely undermanned, and they were already uh, less talented than the Steelers are. So I think it's going to be a struggle for them. It's a nice division game, so I think it's going to be close. But ultimately, I think the Steelers are, are the better team. They're playing better right now, and I have them winning 21-20. to 20. Um, You know, the Steelers haven't been perfect, but they've been getting it done. They've found ways to, to make things work, whether it's on offense or shutting people down on defense. And, uh, you know, the Ravens just aren't playing very well right now. And... Uh, Ultimately, that's sort of what it comes down to. And uh, the Steelers don't have the easiest schedule coming up. Um, so these games are valuable if they don't want to get caught by the, the Chiefs um, for that number one seed who, you know, they only have one loss. So if the Steelers lose a game, all of a sudden they're in trouble losing that number one seed. So who knows? But I got the Steelers winning 21-20. to 20. I kind of want to change my pick now. I was going to pick the Ravens. <laughs> I, I, you know, obviously all this COVID stuff has big implications. Um, and this game may not even happen, like we said. But, uh, oh, man. I think I'm going to switch. I'm going to switch live on air. You guys heard <laughs> okay. it here first. I'm switching. I'm going to go Steelers. I think the Steelers take this game. Um, like Casey said, their defense is stacked. They can beat you in multiple ways. I think their offense is actually a little underrated. Roethlisberger didn't play well last week. He had a few turnovers, but um, this team, I mean, there's a reason they're the, the only undefeated team left in the league, and man, ah, uh, God. I just feel like this might be the last opportunity for the Steelers to lose this season, potentially. I mean, I know you said their schedule's tough, but it's not that tough. Like, next they play Washington, or, yeah, Washington football team. Then they play Buffalo, who could be a loss, potentially. But I don't like Buffalo, but you guys do for whatever mm-hmm. god knows why uh cincinnati who you just saw you know joe burrow went down that's probably not going to be that difficult of a game indianapolis and then cleveland who both could be the hardest uh games left there but i man this is a tough one but i'm gonna go steelers i'm gonna switch i'll, I'll stick with casey score 21 20 just because <laughs> i had it the other way ravens 21 20 but um it'll be a, it'll be a close one and i'm gonna go steelers i changed my mind here so uh switching that Let's go to the Titans at the Colts. Durgan. So the Colts were one of my teams preseason. Everyone laughed at me for picking them to do well. And look at me now. Them, the Steelers, Lamar sucking. The holy trinity of my great picks this year. I'm not bragging, but, you know, I'm a genius. Um, But like I said last week, the Colts dominate the Titans this decade, winning 17 of 21. I picked the Titans last time. I think Titans are a better team this year from what I've seen. But... Ownage is ownage. Colts defense keeps them in this game. I uh, think it'll be a low-scoring one, 24-20. Um, yeah, give me the Colts. I mean, I think the not that the Colts defense has been figured out, but the Packers laid out a formula of being able to run the ball still and work play action, which fits very nicely with what the Titans want to do. They run a lot of that same outside zone, that play action. 
uh, and they have the pieces to exploit the same issues that the Packers did on the Colts' defense. Uh, the Titans need this game, and uh, the, the last game was heavily skewed by some very poor special teams play from the Titans. So I think if they eliminate those issues or just sort of go back to the mean and, and sort of even those things out, uh, I think they have a much better ch- chance to, to win. And I have the Titans winning 27-23. to 23. Um, Give me the quarterback that can push the ball down the field if needed. Um, Tannehill's playing, you know, a little bit up and down, but I still would trust him more than than Philip Rivers. Yeah, the term is regress to the mean. If you haven't heard me say it enough, Casey. <laughs> no, but, I purposely did not use that term. Oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> that hurts a little bit, but it's okay. Um, I'm gonna agree with you though. I'm gonna go Titans with this one. I've I've been on the Titan train. You you took my ticket and boarded me on it, and I nice. am not getting off now. So I think uh, I think. Derrick Henry challenges this, this Colts defense, um, even though they're a phenomenal run defense. I uh, don't know that any phenomenal run defense really matters in terms of stopping a 250-pound literal human bowling ball running at you at 4-5 f- or five speed. So uh, I'm going to go Titans. I, I like what they're doing this season. They've been a little inconsistent, but I, I think they're a little bit more well-rounded, and Phillip Rivers is always due for some mistakes. So let's go Titans, 24, Colts, 20. What's the next game? Here we got Chiefs versus the Bucks. This one is the one I was alluding to early on that I think yep. could be one of the most exciting games of the, of the week here. Durgan, what do you think? Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. Uh, I have the shootout. I got the Bucks though, 34-31. In my eyes, this is a must-win game for the Bucks. I think they'll make the playoffs regardless because the seven teams in the NFC uh, – for the playoffs, they're locked in, in my opinion. It just comes down to the order. Well, NFC East, that's a different beast, but who cares about them? Besides Cyrus. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa. Besides Cyrus, besides <laughs> Cyrus, I said. But the seven the seven spots, you know, they're in there. And they'll be in there because the Bears aren't getting the playoffs. Niners won't get in the playoffs. Lions, Vikings won't get in the playoffs. But the, the Bucks need to beat somebody of value, in my opinion. Yes, they beat the Packers. I'm not saying the Packers suck, but that was kind of a fluky game, in my opinion, from the, flat, from the Packers. And uh, the Chiefs, they're playing really well right now, but they barely beat the Raiders, and I don't think the Raiders are all that good. Solid team, all that good. The Bucks need to run the ball. They don't run the ball well at all. Once they kind of see it going the wrong way, they totally abandon it, and they force-feed the ball to Antonio Brown way too much uh, the other night. Last night, yeah, Monday Night Football. And Byron Lethwich, I know they kind of talk him up. I am not a huge fan of his play calling this year. As to see more of the Bucks games on national TV, um, Mahomes is the best in the game. Brady's the goat. So give me the old veteran in this one to pull something out of his hat. Uh, I can see something really fluky happening at the end of this game, like a fumble or a muff punt, something that goes against the Chiefs and allows the Bucks to pull this one out. The Chiefs are what the Bucks wish they were on offense. True. Let's sort of be yep. real here. I mean, they use their talent correctly. They have an efficient offense that doesn't depend solely on the deep ball. Um, routine plays are made, and those plays are not being made from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady has struggled throwing deep for a number of weeks in a row now, uh, and the, uh, for whatever reason, the Bucks just haven't figured out the chemistry. They have the most talented receiver core, and you know he got whatever 200 and something yards on 40 something attempts against the Rams, um, and that's just not 
enough. That's not going to cut it, and it's not going to cut it against the Chiefs. Uh, on their best days, they could keep up, and, and they're explosive enough, but they've had maybe one or two best days uh, this season. And even on their best days, I think that would make it a competitive game. And their average days, they're not even going to really touch what the Chiefs can do. So I'm going to take the Chiefs 35-27. to 27. Um you know, the Bucks are sort of locked into that seventh spot at this point, um, at the worst, but they gotta like they got they have some questions to answer. They need to take these last few weeks to sort of figure out what's working, what's not, and Arians needs to adapt. If your offense isn't working and fitting with the personnel that you have, you have to adapt and change. And he hasn't done that up until this point. Yeah, Arians, I'm not sure I I don't know. I'm losing a little faith, but they need to win as many games as they can, and they need the uh, Saints to falter a little bit, which I'm not sure that it looks like they will. So, I don't know. I mean, the Bucks. I'm sure they're going to come out hungry and they're going to play well, but the Chiefs team look is looking unstoppable. Even I mean, they remind me sort of of the Warriors with Kevin Durant in the NFL, mm-hmm. where they're never out of a game. Just in any situation, they're they're never out of it, and. Uh, I don't see I don't see Brady at this point in his career playing better than Mahomes, and I think that that's what it's going to come down to in this game. It's going to be sort of like Durgan said, it's going to be a shootout, and I like the Chiefs in a shootout. So I'm going to go Chiefs 30 to 27. Let's go on to what might be the most boring game of the week. We got the <laughs> Bears and the Packers. Durgan. Uh, yeah, the Bears suck. So I got the Packers winning 31-13. Who knows who's going to start? For quarterback the Bears, uh, Foles is injured, Trubisky's injured, so we might see Tyler Bray, and that won't be pretty at all. And the course of Packers coming off a loss, they're going to be pissed off. They want to win this game. I think early on, the Bears will be able to run the ball decently well. Uh, they'll try to just control the clock, but that defense for the Bears eventually is going to get tired chasing down uh, Aaron Rodgers and the boys, so it won't be close. Yeah, I think this game might be closer than it should be on paper just because it's a division game and and that Chicago defense is really good. Um, So I don't know that it's going to be a a blowout like there have been in the past with the Packers and the the Bears. But um, I think the Bears will will put together a couple good drives in the first half and and keep it close, and then the Packers may pull away a little bit. Ultimately, I have the Packers winning 27-20. to Um, But like it's been all year, it's just the big question mark at offense for the Bears. And I, I don't think they have the firepower to keep up with almost any team they had a very hot start but they've they've lost like four or five in a row now um and this is really sort of their last opportunity to make a push for the playoffs if they lose this game they're they're very much on the outside looking in yeah i you know what look good teams don't lose back-to-back games and the packers are a good team casey calm down oh thanks so (laughs) i'm i i think honestly here i've said i said i think i said this last week but i'm gonna say it now officially redoing it the Packers are going to win out the rest of the season and and get that number one seed I mean I'm looking at the rest of their schedule here we got the Bears bad team Philadelphia bad team Detroit we just saw them put up a goose egg pretty bad team Carolina who knows who's going to be playing quarterback I mean I don't know at that point um Tennessee is the best team that they play for the rest of the season they play the Bears again at, uh, at the last game so I could easily see the Packers winning out here, and I think they kind of they may have to honestly to get that first seed. Um, so I I don't know, but the Bears are not going to beat the Packers. I'm willing to <laughs> I'm willing to stake my reputation on that one. Uh, Packers thirty, Bears fourteen is my prediction. 
but I don't think this will be that close. Let's move on to another game. We got the 49ers versus the Rams. Durgan, take hungry, us away with your... Uh... Hungry dog gets the bone. The Niners okay. will not make the playoffs, said it earlier, but if they want even a chance, they have to win this game. Give me the Niners, 27-21. Shanahan owns Boy Wonder when you give Shanahan competent players to work with. Debo, Mozart, Sherman should all be back this week. Trent Williams might be out. Uh, he actually got COVID. Cancer survivor, so they're going to be extra cautious with him. I think he will not play this week, so that does almost change my mind, but I'm going to stick with it. Uh, Brendan Ayuk also on the COVID list. Hopefully he's back. Uh, we saw the Niners beat the Rams earlier this year uh, with Jimmy G not having a great game reality, but statistically, like, it looked great because they stretched them out. Uh, also, Niners giving uh, two weeks off. They had a bye last week. Rams played Monday night. So Shanahan had extra time to prepare while the Rams have almost no time to prepare. And they came off with a very emotional win against the Bucks. So this might be a trap game. Might be a trap game. Uh, better coaching, in my opinion. Shanahan taught McVay everything he knows, but not everything Shanahan knows. Okay. Uh, all right. Hot, some spicy takes. Casey, what there do you, you think? Yeah, I don't even know how to respond to a lot of that. But uh, <laughs> the, if the 49ers can't run the ball, I think this is going to be a blowout. Nick Mullins, he's not a guy that you trust to win a shootout. Um, that Rams defense has sort of proven time and again that they are one of the best in the league. Um, they're not talked about as much as maybe the Steelers or the or the Colts or the Bears, but um, they forced Tom Brady into a lot of mistakes. They shut down the run game, um, and they're they're playing really well. So if if only on that side of the ball do the Rams have that advantage, I would still pick them. But the Rams offense has started to get together a little bit. Um, Goff is playing somewhat better. He still makes a couple of mistakes, um, but ultimately it's it's sort of who you have at the quarterback position the rams have a more complete team they're playing good football right now uh and i think this game sort of very clearly favors the rams um so i'm taking the rams 30 to 17 over the 49ers if jimmy g was playing and kittle was back it's obviously a different conversation um but i think the rams are, are just playing too good right now yeah I, I agree with casey basically everything you just said i think um Niners at full strength are a different different team than what we've seen this season. So they probably will lose this mainly because I think the Rams defense is too, is insurmountable for what the Niners are putting out on the field, primarily Nick Mullins. Um and then I don't think George Kittle's playing, right? So that's going to be a tough one, a tough uh tough uh talent to make up there you won't be able to essentially. Um so I I don't know, dude. Like I didn't realize how good the Rams defense was. Shout out to Casey. We did a video. He did a video breakdown. If, you have, if you're interested, check us out on YouTube and find that. The Rams defense is doing some things, and it's kind of interesting. And especially Brandon Staley's brought in some some schemes that are unique and I think are going to be too much for this Niners team that's shorthanded. And Nick Mullins has proven he's not the guy. I, I don't know why Niners fans have the biggest hard on for Nick Mullins that I've ever seen anyone have maybe barring Nick Foles in Philadelphia for a backup quarterback. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think the Niners really stand a chance. Unfortunately, there again, and I'm surprised you picked them because you're usually pretty pessimistic uh, usually, when yeah. it comes to your team. So either, either this proves that 
you need to put that Big J journalist hat back on, or it proves that you're a genius and we have been missing it all along. So it'll be a, this will be a fun <laughs> one to keep an eye on internally here at the Weekly Spiral. But um, but yeah, I got to take Rams. I'm gonna say 24-17 in this one. Um, let's wrap things up there on episode 66 of the Weekly Spiral. Thank you guys for for sticking with us and tuning in. We really appreciate it. Um, before we go, I want to give our, my co-hosts here a chance to shout out some of their content coming up that they, uh, would like you to check out. Casey, what do you got? Yeah, I mentioned it earlier, but breakdown on Taysom Hill and, and what he did well, what he did poorly and his future prospects as a potential franchise quarterback, or at least a starting quarterback, uh, will be on youtube.com slash weekly spiral later this week. Nice, nice. You could say he's the Jalen Hurts of the Saints. Pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> you could. Durgan, what, what about you, man? I uh, got a scouting report on Marvin Wilson, Florida State defensive tackle. Uh, that'll be out when you hear this podcast. Also, if you're looking at old articles, they look a little funky. We are in the process of doing a little website change. And I'll promise by the end of the week, I'll have all those old ones looking good, looking sharp. Right now, look kind of uh, funky. If you go and check it out, you'll see why. But by the end of the week, we'll be good to go. Smooth sailing ahead. Sweet. Awesome. Weeklysparl.com. Uh, this has been a Weekly Sparl production, bringing fresh football every week. With Thanksgiving coming up, probably the day after you'd be listening to this, I want to give a quick shout-out. I'm thankful for my co-hosts here. I'm thankful for the listeners. Um, it's been a fun journey. We're on episode 66. We're past the year mark. Uh, we're close to the magic number. And uh, this will be, be fun to, to do moving forward as well. And lots of, lots of exciting things coming up. So stick with us. We'll stick with you. And we'll catch you next week for episode 67.